Greetings in the Master's name. And open your Bibles to uh, Psalm 111. Seems like it's been quite a while since I've been here. I guess it was probably five weeks with the uh, fifth Sunday in November. And so we're still trying to uh, be careful. Uh, there at VMRC, the... Uh, they still don't want us circulating too much. They do allow uh, visitors uh, into your apartment now uh, if you wear a mask and social distance. <laughs> so in a small apartment, there's not a lot of options there. Okay, Psalm 111. I think uh, we'll read uh, maybe three psalms here. Psalm 111. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has showed his people the power of his works, that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever, and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverent is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwells on high? who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. What is the same in these three psalms? Praise ye the Lord. Yes. Uh, 111.1. 1. 
I will praise, praise ye the Lord. And then 113, 111, 112, 113. Praise ye the Lord. And then the phrases otherwise too. Now what's another word for praise the Lord? Hallelujah. And so here, this time of the year, maybe not so much this year, but people drive a couple hours sometimes to hear what? The hallelujah chorus. The hallelujah chorus. Okay, the hallelujah chorus. Um, the word halal is what uh, it, the uh, Hebrew halal, halal or something like that, to shine Hence, to make a show, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. Now, praise ye the Lord. How? Okay. With my whole heart. Where? Okay, in the assembly of upright, in the congregation. So let's do it. Somebody want to praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. I mean, I was thinking, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for, a lot to praise the Lord for. Um, well, I believe Brian's were here last Sunday, but just one thing, Christmas. Uh, uh, let's see, I think Philip said, uh, praising the Lord for that we can meet to worship. Praise the Lord uh, for revealing himself. Anything else? Yes. Um, in some settings, if the preacher would ask for praise, I think that things would get pretty alive. Uh, we're maybe a little more quiet. Um, I was just looking, I was looking where that word halal is used. It's about 140 times in the Bible, but quite a few times in Chronicles where, you know, David appointed the people to praise and then Solomon, he followed along. And one place it said 4,000 appointed to, to praise, to play instruments on, uh, that David made. So that'd been quite an orchestra. Uh, but, uh, of course, that was just... Uh, part of their form of worship. Now we sing, uh, we praise the Lord that way, but uh, there's, um, yeah, in some settings it's a little more, I think like the African settings, they're just a little more lively and so on. Uh, but praising the Lord, so we shouldn't be ashamed uh, to do that. It says here, I will praise the Lord. I thought about, that speaks of determination, resolve, desire. Um, and this, okay, the first word praise there, praise ye the Lord, that's the word hallelujah. Now, the next uh, phrase, I will praise the Lord, is um, to revere or worship. It's like what I'm doing. Okay, so hallelujah, it's, anyway, it was kind of interesting to me that there was two different Hebrew words used there. Hallelujah, you know, praise the Lord. But then I will praise, I will revere, I will worship the Lord, I will extol, I will give thanks. That's what's tied up in there. And how? It says, with my whole heart. And I'd like to notice something else about this heart, this whole heart. Uh, look at 112, 
7. It says, He will not be afraid of evil tidings because his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Um, firmly fixed. I think the Amplified said firmly fixed, trusting, leaning on and being confident in the Lord. Uh, a couple other renderings of that phrase. Uh, 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 NIV said, they will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Uh, another version. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. That's another rendering. His heart is assured he will not fear. Okay, that was just some of what's mentioned here. I'd like to turn back to Psalm 108 and uh, look at the first five verses there. It's, there again, it's talking about the heart that's fixed and how it's, and, and again, these verses are talking about praising the Lord. Psalm 108, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reaches unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. Now, turn back to Psalm 57. Verses 7 to 11. Uh, in fact, it'd be good if you could look at those together there. 108 and, um, and 57. 108, 1 to 5, and 57, 7 to 11. Uh, okay, 57, 7 says, My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. And in 111, or no, it's 108, yeah. Some manuscripts had it double there too. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. So here in Psalm 57 says, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. It's almost identical wording. It's, to me, it's like, and both of these are Psalms that David wrote. And it's like, uh, you know, he wrote, I don't know what time frame it was when he wrote these different Psalms, but the same wording, this was his heart, and it came out different times. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. In fact, the idea there is I will awaken the dawn. He said, I'm going to praise the Lord early in the morning. I'm going <laughs> to, okay. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. And so to praise the Lord among the people, among the nations. A lot of translations have among the nations. And um, be thou exalted above the heavens. Thy glory above all the earth. All the earthy, all that is happening here on the earth. And it's like 111 said, his, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid. <clears throat> and these talk about 
Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Well, God's glory, and of course, above the heavens, above the earth, and so on. But what came to my mind when it talked about here, above the heavens, thy glory is above all the earth, and trusting in the Lord above all the earthy. And I thought about the recent election and some responses to it. Um, Praise the Lord among the nations. I was talking to um, Lois Friesen this week. Uh, she just got back uh, from the winter break from Sattler. And uh, where the students live up there is uh, close to a park, I think, and they often work in the park. She said she was just out walking uh, on the morning of Election Day, and this wasn't premeditated, but she was seeing all these people look so glum, I guess troubled, you know. And she... When she met somebody, she said, Happy King Jesus Day. And they kind of wondered, Who are you? And uh, she had a chance to give her testimony. And actually, she met somebody there that lived on their street, and she's been able to have some contact with them. But, you know, is that our, is, is that our attitude? Happy King Jesus Day. Uh, that's a two-kingdom mentality. And it's so, it's so different than buying into these conspiracy theories. Just recently, somebody asked me if I was keeping up with the election news, and I said, well, some. And they said, well, did you know that Trump won the election? And um, so I kind of wondered how that was. They said, well, you know, when the machines were counting the votes, uh, Trump was getting more, and so they stopped and reset the machines so that Biden would get more votes. How can people be so gullible um, that, uh, I mean, the Democrats and Republicans, everybody's watching that like a hawk. There's no way that could have happened. There's, there's processes in place. And I said, where are you getting your information? Well, a relative, she said, was, was keeping up with things and passing the information along to them. It just, uh, uh, Lois told me, that one of the refreshing things up there at Sattler was they just don't talk about politics. It's not like it's banned. It's just that their focus is on the kingdom of God and to, and to God that our focus would be there. And all this stuff we hear, it reminded me of something that was not quite as, uh, it doesn't quite have the, the uh, where I want to sort it in quite implications, but like years ago, um, our people were taken up with this, this idea of the, about the computers running back and forth across the century, and they all of a sudden stopped and started blinking because they didn't know what to do because they had found Joshua's lost, lost day. And that is so ridiculous. Um, but why are we so gullible that we buy into stuff like that? I mean, is our faith so weak that we, uh, we have to have it bolstered by something like that? Well, anyway, I better go on. Um, the works of the Lord are great here in verse 2. The works of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them that have pleasure then. I have to think about that verse when I'm working on the, on the chemistry course that we're working on Christian life. The works of the Lord are great. Sought out or studied. Studied. Uh, those that have pleasure in them. Uh, and that um, brought to mind this field of biomimicry. Biomimicry is where scientists study nature to find out how to do things better and it's it's sort of a, a well it's sort of a recent field i mean like velcro was 
was um, sort of invented by this IBM scientist that he was far enough along in his field that he was just kind of free to do whatever he wanted to. And one day he was walking through the field and, and the birds were sticking to his pants. And he's wondering, what makes them things stick like that? So he got to examining it and, and came up with Velcro eventually. Um, but uh, man is now putting, that's a whole field, biomimicry. And of course, what man says, you know, we're studying nature. They've had four and a half billion years to get it right. So, you know, we can learn something from it. It's too bad about that side of it. But um, I looked up actually the definition. Biomimicry, the design and production of material structures and systems that are modeled on biological entities and processes. Another definition said biomimicry is the practice that learns from and mimics the strategies found in nature to solve human design challenges and find hope along the way. It literally means imitation of the living. Uh, and so I could go on and on here. This book's been written uh, with all these examples of how man has copied things in nature. But it just shows, it, again, it's praise the Lord. It, it's for the marvelous things he's done. Um, just a, a one I saw recently in the news, and I looked it up here then uh, just to refresh myself. A beetle found in Southern California's woodlands can withstand bird pecks, animal stumps, and even being rolled over by a Toyota Camry. It withstood compression of about 39,000 times its own body weight. For a 200-pound man, that would be like surviving a 7.8-million-pound crush. Scientists are studying what the bug's crush-resistant shell could teach them about designing stronger planes and buildings. Researchers used electron microscopes and CT scans to examine the beetle's exoskeleton and figure out what made us so strong. Um, I looked up some other things. Uh, just. I shouldn't take all morning for this, but this one were like the uh, the Japanese bullet trains. And if you ever seen them, that, that long nose they have. Um, and the way that came about was, okay, so the Japanese bullet trains go about 180-some miles an hour. And like when they would come out of a tunnel, they'd make this boom noise and wake up all the people and so on. And they was trying to figure out what they can do about that. And then one of the, one of the uh, fellows on the team... Uh, he, he he thought about how a kingfisher, when it dives and hits the water, it makes such a very little splash. They ended up modeling the bull train noses after a kingfisher. And uh, th that's just one example. I just, I, read, I just read this one. Um, Fisto must be the company. Fisto has added to its robotic mandarin. How, how do you say it? Manad? You know, that group of things. With the creation of a robotic seagull that weighs just 450 grams, that's a pound, and boasts a wingspan of 6.4 feet. Dubbed the smart bird, the ultralight flying robot was inspired by the herring gull and can take off, fly, and land autonomously without the help of any additional drive systems. In creating the smart bird, Festo says it has succeeded in deciphering the flight of birds. The robot's wings not only beat up and down with the lever mechanism, increasing the degree of deflection to increase from the torso to the wingtip, but also twist at specific angles along their length in the same way that a real birds do, so that the leading edge is directed upwards during the upward stroke. Directional control is achieved through the opposing movement of the robot's head and torso sections, which is synchronized with means of two electric motors and cables. This enables it to bend aerodynamically with simultaneous weight displacement and is responsible for the smart bird's agility and maneuverability. And it goes on and on about the pitch elevator and the yaw rudder and all this. And it says, uh, additionally, analysis of its flow characteristics during development is to provide insights into ways to optimize future designs. Another plus is that it won't steal your chips at the beach. But in, anyway, all that is talking about all the mechanisms inside this robot. 
and you know, the drive mechanisms, electric motors and all that. And I'll tell you what, the Seagull is a lot better designed than that yet, not near as clunky. And uh, so, well, okay. Um, but uh, so God's, um, God, there again, it's just, it, it, uh, it reminded me of several years ago, I was talking to uh, a young lady who had just uh, gotten her medical degree. And uh, she said that, you know, in studying the intricacies and the complexities of the body, she went through her studies, all the science, the biology and stuff you have to study. Sometimes she would just have to stop and worship. That's the way it impressed her. Just had to literally stop and just, I don't know, get down on her face or what, but she just had to stop and worship. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, or splendid and majestic, full of honor and majesty. Verse 4. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. Or he has gained renown by his wonderful works. Uh, is the idea that his works are a memorial to him. And that kind of made me think, you know, about memorials and uh, what people are remembered by. So, in living my life, I am developing my memorial, I guess you could say. But, uh, so, he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. That's often translated merciful. Uh, the word is translated compassion here is often translated merciful. The Lord is gracious and full of mercy. He has given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. If, well, I wanted to say he has given meat unto them that fear him. Uh, the Amplified says those who reverently and worshipfully fear him. It has the idea of reverence and worship there again. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. God's covenants. Uh, there's some... some um, denominations uh, put more emphasis perhaps on covenants than we do. Um, there's the Noahic covenant, covenant with Noah, covenant with Abraham, and that was renewed with Isaac and Jacob. Covenant with Moses, the Ten Commandments, the law. And then the covenant with David, where, you know, he promised him an heir on his throne forever. And, of course, Christ is the fulfillment of that. So we... We believe in covenants. We don't necessarily call our church the covenant Mennonite church. Like, uh, but we believe in covenant. But perhaps one reason we don't emphasize it quite like others is we believe in covenants. We believe in God's covenant with us. There's the old covenant and there's the new covenant. And Romans and Hebrews talk about the great superiority of the new covenant. That's kind of where our focus is. And, and when we read the Bible, we read it like this. Interpret it like this. Find the right place here. 
my Bible got a bigger concordance, but we read it like this. The new stands over the old. You know, even Jesus said, you have heard that has been said, but I say unto you, so the new supersedes the old. So the Sermon on the Mount is, is our kingdom focus. It's the constitution of Christ's kingdom, Sermon on the Mount. And so that helps us understand a lot of things that sometimes people get mixed up about. So he will ever be mindful of his covenant. It's sure. Okay, numbers, uh, verse 6. He has showed his people the power of his works, the power of his works. We, we don't quite, we don't go back like the Israelites did quite to uh, like Deliverance from Egypt, the plagues, crossing the Red Sea, crossing the Jordan, and in and the fall of Jericho. And you'll find references to that in the Old Testament hundreds of years later. The heathen nations remembered those things. But for us, I think the wonderful works of God is like the birth of Jesus, the resurrection, the victory over Satan, and then... Hopefully, we can think about the works in our lives, too. His works in our lives. The power of his works. He has showed his people the power of his works. Making a new creature out of a person. You know, you've heard that many times, I'm sure. But that's the greatest miracle. When God makes a new person. And maybe it's too ordinary for us. Verse 7 the works of his hands are verity and judgment. Uh, other renderings of that was his works are faithful and just, truth and justice, honest and fair. And we're kind of going down through all these things, a lot of adjectives here. Uh, but it's, it's the character of God. It's how dependable he is. Uh, I think some, some of the verses have the word sure in them. That God is completely... Trustworthy. Uh, different places in Scripture it says the person who trusts in God won't be ashamed. And that means let down. People let you down sometimes. Maybe sometimes they can't help it. Something's beyond their power to accomplish. But God never lets you down. God's promises are sure. And if we... I mean, one promise that I've staked my life on is Matthew 6.33. The Lord gave me that for a life motto when I was in my late teens or early 20s. And it's, it's guided my whole life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things should be added unto you. So put God's kingdom first and he'll take care of the rest. And just that one, I, and over and over in my life, how God has kept that promise. And that's just one promise out of hundreds. What if I would take all the other hundreds as literally as I've taken that one? It'd be something. It's, it's challenged me anyway. Yeah, here it says, All his commandments are sure. They're trustworthy. They can be trusted. They stand fast forever and ever. That sounds like stability. We want stability in our lives? Then we found them on Christ's word.
they are done or performed or carried out in truth and uprightness. There's no... I mean, what God's done does is in complete truth and honesty and what's upright, what's right. Um, just totally right and dependable. Holy and reverent is his name, it says in verse 9. And it's the idea of awesome or awe-inspiring. Truly, God should be awe-inspiring to us. And then the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There again, that's, that's a, a standing in awe, a reverence for him. Respect and obey. It says here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. One contemporary translation says, respect and obey the Lord. This is the first, this is what it says for this verse. Respect and obey the Lord. This is the first step to wisdom and good sense. That's one translation. Um, okay, this verse here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a familiar phrase to us. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Where is that in some other verses? Do you know the references? Okay, yeah, Proverbs. In fact, turn over to Proverbs 9, verse 10. This is 111, verse 10. In Proverbs, it's 9, verse 10. Hundred and hundred and eleven and nine add up to hundred and twenty. That's twenty and ten and ten add up to twenty. If you want to remember that. Um, okay. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, same phrase, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. I want you to uh, keep that uh, if you can keep your Bible open there and to hundred and eleven ten and also turn back to Job twenty eight twenty eight. Job 28, 28. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Now the first phrase in all three of these verses says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then the, it ends with three different phrases, like 111, 10 says, A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. Proverbs 9, 10 says, The knowledge of the holy is understanding. And Job says to depart from evil as understanding. So what you have here, you have the same concept said three different ways. In other words, to do his commandments, to know the Holy One, and to depart from evil is all the same. And so someone wrote it this way. These verses all give the prerequisite to wisdom, a reference and all a reverence and awe and respect for God, which includes his character, his ways, and his decrees. These verses also define understanding, doing his commandments, knowing the Holy One, departing from evil. What a revealing, threefold definition that states equivalent facets of one truth. 
Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the first step, the prerequisite to wisdom. So men, and very brilliant men, study many things. But unless they have a respect for God and what He has said and what He has revealed, they do not grasp the total reality. They do not grasp the big picture. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Praise ye the Lord. Uh, for closing, let's turn to Psalm 117. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise ye the Lord.